Raccoon. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Monday, May 10th. Coming to you live from the Gateway Arch. It's not called the Gateway Arch, Coca. Start that again. 70, 66, 69. Raccoon. Nothing personal. Word of the day. Coming to you from the Arch in St. Louis. As nothing personal makes its way cross country. Quite a day yesterday. We may get into some of the things that happened to me on the road yesterday, driving from Oklahoma City. But how could we not start with Raccoon? Players fight. Let's start with that. Players fight. Remember, we are a family. You spend every day together, about 162 games in 185 days, not counting spring training. And you are together in what I would say is a small room. You share a bathroom with 25 other men. You travel together. You're on the field, you're off the field, things happen. There's pressures, there's money pressures, there's social media pressures, there's pressures from above, there's pressures from below. Then you've got your families. You have the uncertainty of a career, the uncertainty of the results of your team. There's never been a team in the history of the world where every player gets along. It doesn't work that way. There are cliques in clubhouses, there are people who are universally hated within clubhouses. There are people who are universal peacemakers in clubhouses. It's as though you're casting a season of Survivor and you've got different people in the role. You've got the villain, you've got the hero, you've got the athlete, you've got the nerd. All of those are true. Just because they all play baseball doesn't mean that they don't fit into those different categories. So before a season starts, one of the things that we talk about with the players is how we want to handle the various arguments that can happen through the course of a season. So we would say, we know you're going to have fights. You're going to have fights with your other players, with your teammates. You're going to have fights with other team players. You're going to have fights with management you're going to have arguments with coaches. And I don't mean fistfights like Lou Pinella and Rob Dibble going after it. I'm talking about you've got arguments that get heated like any family does. So here's our plan. Number one, when we have any sort of fight, rule one, period, it's off camera. Rule one. Rule two of any fight you have with your teammate is that it's off camera. Rule three, we don't talk publicly about any fights we have. It is nobody's business. And it's not for the reason that you may think. The reason I didn't want anyone to have any idea about any sort of internal strife that we had is that it shows weakness. And anytime you show weakness to your opponent, you are giving them an advantage that I didn't want to give them. Have you ever been around couples or friends where everything's fine, everything seems fine, but when the doors are closed at the end of the day, they're not getting along or they're fighting or they're arguing, but they have a perfect front in front of people or they've got issues with their kids, but when they're talking about their kids, everything's perfect or they have issues at work, but when they're talking about their work, everything's perfect because they just want to have that appearance, no weakness, perfection. Of course, it's horse hockey. Everyone has issues, but we're not going to talk about them publicly. Three, 
if anything happens during the course of a game, this would be four, wouldn't it? Because the first two are the same. Four. If anything happens during the course of a game, we are going to talk about it after the game before we meet the media so we can decide what the plan is because eventually one of the leaks is going to spring and someone's going to find out, which gets me to rule five. There are no secrets in baseball. So we take all those rules and then we let the season unravel and we see what happens. The New York Mets played on Friday night. The Mets had been struggling, although they had won a couple in a row at that point. I think they've now won five in a row. Side note, spoiler alert, Mets are in first place in the NL East, having won five in a row, even with the Grom leaving because he got hurt. Again. So Francisco Lindor signs the big contract, comes to the Mets, eats ravioli, and had a terrible April, a tough start to May. He was not even hitting his weight and was very disappointed with his performance. They have another player, their middle infield partners, second base shortstop, a guy named Jeff McNeil. They play together. And when you have a second baseman and a shortstop, they have to have a good relationship on the field. It doesn't matter what the relationship is off the field, but on the field, they have to understand each other's rhythm. And that comes with a lot of reps. It's very hard to get a rhythm with a new shortstop, new second baseman after one month plus a spring training. You need time together. Who's going to take what ball up the middle? Who's going to be where on double plays, on steals? Just you get to know we had a lot of second base shortstop combinations, whether it was Castillo and uh, Alex Gonzalez, who were the best, whether it was Ugla and Ramirez. We just had knowledge sort of of where people were and what they were doing. But it takes time. So the Mets are playing on Friday and a fight broke out some sort of fight between Lindor and McNeil. And it happened in the tunnel. No one could see it. So they didn't violate rule five. They definitely violated rule. Was it three? I didn't write them down. Coke. I don't remember the numbers of the rules. Stop yelling at me on a Monday morning. I'm tired. I've been driving so much. My brain's a little foggy. One of them was know what you're going to say when asked a question. So Francisco Lindor, I don't even know if that was one of them, but it should have been one of them. That's make, what is your plan when it becomes public? Francisco Lindor meets the media and says, me and McNeil were arguing about whether we saw a rat or a raccoon in the tunnel. The way it works is you have a dugout and when the dugout is connected to a clubhouse, not really by a tunnel, it's mostly by a hallway. Sometimes you have to climb upstairs or mostly it's upstairs because dugouts are sort of built down below the table meaning the table is when you're building something below ground level. So you dig out. That's why it's, oh my God, Coke, is that why it's called a dugout? I just had a moment, Coca, stop the show. Not keep taping, but a dugout is named because you have actually dug a hole below the ground where you're supposed to sit. I just had one of the great epiphanies of all time, Coca. I do that with my daughter a lot, where we come up with words that are compound words and we think about where they come from and it makes perfect sense, but you never think about it. And then I can't think of an example right now, but freeway, hey, it's free to drive this way. Although it's not really free to drive, often there's tolls. Highway, right? You can get high and find your way. So a dugout leads to a tunnel 
which leads to stairs, and then you get into your clubhouse. So Lindor McNeil had a problem. There was an issue on coverage, on a ground ball, whatever the issue was, it doesn't matter. Personal, professional, there is frustration boiling over with Lindor, boiling over in the Mets clubhouse. They then got together, and this is where perfection happens. They said, here's our story, and we're sticking to it. Let's talk about New York rats. Let's talk about raccoons, and I've been in a lot of ballparks. There are no raccoons in the tunnel. There are rats, but not in the city field tunnel, because if you know how the Mets get back to their clubhouse, it's actually in a way that there are no live animals that can be there. There are a bunch of cats in ballparks and other sort of termites and crap that's in the fountains, the syrupy fountains where you get your soda and your beer from, but there are no raccoons and rats that are going to be in between the clubhouse and the dugout. But Lindor said that'd be a funny idea. And they met the media and stuck to it. Brilliant. They were laughing when they did it. And the media went crazy saying it's not true. There weren't rats. What were they fighting about? There weren't raccoons. Everyone knows they weren't talking about whether or not it was a rat versus a raccoon. People don't run from the dugout to look at a rat or a raccoon. And in this Met game, all of the Met teammates sort of rushed toward the tunnel. You don't rush to the tunnel when two guys are discussing the difference between a rat and a raccoon. You rush to the tunnel to make sure two guys don't beat the crap out of each other. And then you have to put makeup on them and you have to hire for 150 bucks, a makeup artist to come to the ballpark, cover the black guy, make sure there's no bruising. And so you can say there was no fight. That's when everyone leaves the dugout to get to the tunnel. Otherwise, they really don't care if there's a rat or a raccoon, trust me. So they got together as a team and they only made one mistake. They forgot to tell their manager and their general manager what they were gonna say. So Zach Scott, the acting GM, who is neither acting nor a GM, and Louis Rojas, who is the manager for now, they met the media and said, ooh, we didn't really handle that so great. Yeah, there's always going to be issues. And I wish that they had not tried to do a bait and switch and talk about the fact that uh, the rat and the raccoon, because it takes away from the great win we had, blah, blah, blah. And Rojas was saying, yeah, I'm not sure I would have told them to handle it the way they handled it. And so, and, and I said to myself, you mean handle the argument between whether it's a rat or a raccoon? Of course, Rojas didn't mean that. Rojas meant handle their issue that they had that led to this fight, which guarantee was physical pushing for sure, no punches thrown, but for sure there's going to be some sort of physicality that would cause all the players to leave the dugout for the tunnel. So the Mets come out looking foolish in my mind, and they're playing well. They're in first place in the NL East, and all they had to do was finish the circle, complete the circle, and make sure your manager and GM are on the same page as you because then the story ends, and that's the goal. You all say the same thing, you stick to it, and then the story dies. Done. Okay. So the Mets move on. They're ready to play. They got DeGrom on the mound. I got to wait to see. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, I revisit it. I promised you Jacob DeGrom was going to miss a start. He did not miss a start. I got the wait to see wrong. Wait to see is going to miss his next start, though. Coco wouldn't even let me count that. Coco and I are fighting pre-show today. 
because the way to see that I submitted to him is that Jacob DeGrom is going to miss his next start because he was pulled after five innings of his start yesterday with some sort of whatever you call it, right side tightness, and he's getting an MRI. That's not a cramp, folks. That means he has not fully recovered and they rushed him back. And the problem with rushing back to Grom is that it may not work. Like the problem with rushing back Tatis in San Diego. It may work now. He may hit some bombs like he did yesterday. But over time, it may not. DeGrom lasted five innings when he pulled himself out of the game. Wait to see, Coca. I got the microphone. You don't. I got it. Ready? Wait to see. DeGrom will miss his next start. So there. Nah, 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 nah. See, I get to do it. I'm in charge at the end of the day. How are the Dodgers doing, Coca? Not good. If you're Trevor Bauer, what's the one thing you never say? In your opinion, folks, what's the one thing if you're Trevor Bauer? You never say, I signed with the Dodgers to win. Don't say it when you know very well you signed with the Dodgers because they offered to make you the highest paid player on an annual basis in the history of Major League Baseball. You can complain. You can talk about your team and its performance and your disappointment. But don't say, I'm pissed personally. I freaking hate losing. I want to win. That's why I came here. What a bunch of horse crap. Trevor Bauer didn't come there to win. Came there to get paid. Dodgers have lost five series in a row. The Dodgers are in third place in the National League West, which is quite interesting to me. They're behind the Giants. They're behind the Padres. They're only a, are they a game over 500 only. They're five and 15 in their last 20 games. That's not good. Their bullpen has blown a bunch of saves. The Dodgers are in crisis. Not really. I want to bring up Trevor Bauer, not because of what he said about money. He had another quote that really dovetails perfectly into what we were talking about. And it is the following. It's early. And you can say it's early. And you can say there's no need to panic. And you can say all these things. And they're all true. But at the end of the day, we're not just going to roll the bats and balls out there and win baseball games. That's a great quote, Trevor. I have a personal relationship with that quote. That's what happened to the Florida Marlins in 2005. Believe it or not, we were supposed to be really good that year. We were in contention most of the year, but that's how that team acted. That you could just roll out the balls and bats because we had won a World Series two years earlier, start the game, and we were going to win. And we struggled a bit in the beginning, but we kept saying, we're going to be able to turn it around whenever we want. We need to win tomorrow, we'll win tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. It didn't work that way for the team in 05, and we missed the playoffs. Can you imagine if it doesn't work that way for the Dodgers? Is that even a possibility? The Dodgers this year are better than the Marlins were in 05, but not by much. What worries me about the Dodgers is that they didn't pay attention to the number one issue that happens to World Series winning teams. And if they did pay attention to it, they didn't deal with it. It is impossible to have the same motivation to repeat as it is to win your first. 
We can say it because repeating is the greatest thing. You can be the first team since the 1998 through 2000 Yankees. You can say that winning two makes you that much more special. The Cubs have gone through that recently. You know that. The Reds, the Giants went through it when they were winning every other year. The Nationals went through it when they won. Could the Dodgers fall into the same hole that every team has fallen into for the last 20 years? You're damn right. That's why I didn't choose them to win the World Series. I wouldn't have expected them to start off after, I think, 35 games, 18 and 17. But we're more than 20% done with the season. So Trevor's right. It's not early. So what do you do if you're the Dodgers? This is when we decide whether Dave Roberts is a good manager. Remember when Don Mattingly got fired by the Dodgers and he had brought them to the playoffs? He had won a bunch of divisions, but Andrew Friedman wanted to get rid of Mattingly, and that's why he was so happy when we wanted him in 2016. Because eventually what happens is that you plateau with your voice. That's the manager. 99 out of 100 times. There are some exceptions, but very few. And the other thing is that you have to get a new level of motivation that comes with a new player. And so what the Dodgers did is they chose Trevor Bauer. And when you choose him to be the new great player to come in to help you repeat, I think that's when the problem really starts. And I think that's when Andrew Freeman realizes that he probably made a mistake. We're going to see what happens here over the course of the next period of time. But if I'm Andrew Friedman, I'm making it very clear to Dave Roberts and to Mookie Betts that Trevor Bauer cannot be the spokesman for the Dodgers. He's been there for 35 games. I want Kershaw talking. I'll even allow Mookie Betts to talk. I want Bellinger, even though he's hurt, to talk. I want players who know the Dodgers, who understand what it is to have won the World Series and what it takes to repeat that's not Trevor. So if I'm handling that situation of this struggle right now, I'm making sure that we are one, very tight-lipped inside the clubhouse, and two, we have an organized strategy of what we are communicating publicly because any sign of weakness, and that is what the Padres see, that's what the Giants see, even the Diamondbacks can see that, they're going to pounce on it like Mr. Mistopheles. All right, when we come back, we're going to take a break. I watched a four-hour miniseries that uh, brought back a lot of tough thoughts for me from when I was a kid. We're going to review something called Sons of Sam on Netflix, and we are going to be talking about drugs. We'll be right back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you so much for downloading and following and subscribing. I think it's called following because I met someone uh, on the road. Nothing personal is on a road trip right now. If you're following on Twitter at David P. Sampson or Instagram at David P. Sampson, I'm trying to take some videos. It's been a very, very emotional trip so far. Seeing the survivor tree in Oklahoma City was simply uh, took my breath away was in Tulsa yesterday. I was amazed at some people who had not known about the Tulsa massacre. Raise your hand if you had never heard of it before the movies had come out this past year and all the the uh, racial issues that had come out. I must admit that I wasn't aware it's the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. I'm okay admitting some sort of historical ignorance because I wanna learn. There's so many great places to stop when you're driving across country, you meet so many people. So of course, because CBS is paying for this, even though they don't know that yet. <laughs> Coca, can I reimburse gas expenses? Anyway, do you know that it's very hard to eat anything other than fast food when you're driving cross country? And do you know that I haven't had fast food one time? I'm just doing snacks and then going to regular restaurants off the beaten path because I now can see why there could be some sort of obesity problem in the United States of America when all you can eat when you're driving and everybody's driving, there's RVs and truckers. And most people know the rules of the road. If I gotten further east, like into Missouri, uh, they don't move over for me. So they stay slow in the left lane, but in the West, everyone moves over, which is great. So I was talking about nothing personal uh, with somebody because someone was asking what I was doing. And I said what I was doing. It's nice to actually talk to strangers. My New Year's resolution, I have not yet hugged one of these strangers I've met, but it's gonna happen on this road trip. I promise you, there will be hugging. So I talk about nothing personal. And they said, yeah, let me, let me show it to me on my phone. And so I showed, and then there was a button that said follow. And I thought it was supposed to say subscribe, but Coca had said follow. So please tell your friends about nothing personal. We're growing like the weeds on my dirty sweatshirt. I am dirty. I, don't, I guess I have to go to a laundromat, Coca, by the way. That would be interesting. Just pick a town and go to a laundromat. Anyway, I'm still watching movies every day. That's one thing that won't change. I'm very tired, but I'm still watching movies. There's a documentary on Netflix called Sons of Sam. Let me bring you back 
to the late 70s in New York City, 76, 77. I had moved to New York. I was young, eight, nine years old. I remember the son of Sam like it was yesterday because everyone was scared. I didn't have long, dark hair and I wasn't a woman, but I was told to be scared. I wasn't really allowed to be alone in the city. I remember my mother talking to me about it and her having dark hair. And there, that's who the son of Sam, it was, he was a serial killer in New York City. He eventually gets caught and it was a big deal when he got caught, very big deal because it felt like we could all be safe again. Of course, that was ridiculous, but the feeling was we could be safe. So there's a documentary that came out and this is a four hour on Netflix and it's not about catching Son of Sam, David Berkowitz. It's not about where is he now? It's not about some sort of great jail room. He's still in prison. Spoiler alert, still in prison. He did not go the way of Dahmer. He didn't get killed in prison. He's still there. He did get slashed in his neck, but he's alive. It's actually about what is one of the biggest fads now. Now, nothing personal is going to keep growing, but I am concerned that no matter what we do, we'll never catch the numbers of the true crime podcasts. People eat it up. Everyone loves it. I'm one of them, right? I listen to them and I watch these documentaries. This documentary is about a journalist who devoted his life to proving a conspiracy theory that the son of Sam did not act alone, that he was part of a cult and that he couldn't have acted alone because the sketches that were done by witnesses were not looking anything like David Berkowitz, but they looked a hell of a lot like another guy who was an associate of Berkowitz who had a father named Sam, the son of Sam. So I'm watching these four hours and I'm watching a journalist descend into crazy town, but I'm being convinced that he's right. Or is he? You've got four hours to watch this. And the point at the end of the four hours is for you to decide whether or not journalistic integrity is something that can ruin a movie, a story, or a real-life quest for truth. Journalists have a job to report what they know. Opinion makers have a job to try to convince you what they think they know. I can't wait for you to watch and decide for yourself. It was scary to watch. Brought back. Everyone remember the blackout of 1977 in New York? Does anyone remember that? Coco, do you remember the blackout in 1977 when you were not even yet a thought? It was pretty scary. Okay, so you want to talk to Samson is when we get a, uh, a question from the crowd. Do we have one today, Coca? You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. It's the Samson burger. So you want to talk to Samson's from the movie Half-Baked? For all of you new listeners, and I just got an email that, again, there's so many of you every single day. Half-Baked is a movie that you can watch either a quarter-baked, a half-baked, or fully baked. You just can't watch it unbaked and raw. You can eat raw cookie dough, but you can't watch half-baked raw. There's a character in it named Samson, and everyone's talked to him. So get on my Twitter, David P. Samson. Hit follow. Still haven't been able to answer every question that comes my way because there's so many, but I love some of them. Here's the one. Is Bob Baffert going to be remembered as a cheater? 
All right, who's Bob Baffert? I give up. Bob Baffert is a trainer. Bob Baffert is one of the most decorated trainers in the history of horse racing. Bob Baffert was the trainer of the winner of the Kentucky Derby, which took place a couple of weeks ago. The horse's name was called Medina Spirit. Here's how horse racing works. People bet money on an animal to run in a circle. People spend a lot of money trying to find a horse that can run very quickly around a circle and then win purses. People pay money to have a famous winning horse have sex with a, another horse and then get the kid and then raise the kid and see if that horse can run quickly in a circle and make money. One of the best lines from my favorite comedy, Let It Ride, from Terry Gar. I don't understand why you have to bet on the horses. Why can't you just watch them run in a circle? And Richard Dreyfus, Jay Trotter. Jay Trotter used to be the name I went into hotels. We all had to use different names. That was my name, Jay Trotter. There is no racing if there is no betting. So when you bet on a horse race, what is it that you want to be true? You want to believe that it's fair. Do you remember the James Bond movie? Is it for your eyes only with Christopher Walken? For your eyes only. That's the song by Sheena Easton, the title song, not the one by Billie Eilish. The one with uh, Grace Jones and Christopher Walken and Roger Moore, where he has, they're basically doping horses. Doping horses is when you give horses drugs, like baseball players take steroids, and it makes them run a lot faster. And the problem with that is if you've got some horses doping and some horses not, but you've got people betting on the horses not because they don't know that there are horses who are, then all of a sudden you have a horse that wins that maybe wouldn't have won. It came out yesterday that Bob Baffert's horse, who won the Kentucky Derby, named Medina Spirit, tested positive for an anti-inflammatory. Now, you're allowed to take anti-inflammatories, but you have to have a, only a certain level in your blood. Medina Spirit had twice the legal limit of this anti-inflammatory, and they are in a load of trouble. Bob Baffert has been involved in a lot of doping. He is the most decorated trainer, seven derby wins most ever. He's had 30 horses fail drug tests over his career. Do you know that? He's the one who has that mop of white hair and everyone can't believe that he wins every time. And he's got a bunch of horses in each race, so they run against each other. I wonder who, this is a good one, folks. Ready? If you know who Bob Baffert's betting on, when he's got several horses in a race, you can find yourself the dope horse, can't you? So Medina Spirit wins, fails, and that's when it got interesting. Bob Baffert lost his mind when he found out. He denied it. Denial is not just a river in Egypt. Talked about what a great horse Medina Spirit is. He said they're gonna have the new sample analyzed we're going to have DNA tests performed. There's going to be a whole process. <laughs> he, 
He then gives a quote that I have to read to you. I got the biggest gut punch in racing for something that I didn't do. And it's disturbing. Get ready. Here it is. It's an injustice to the horse. <laughs> okay, folks, when you dope a horse, can we all agree that it's different than when baseball players stick needles in their own ass? Do you agree that horses can't stick a needle in their own hoof and in their own tuchus? Do you agree that no horse in the history of horse racing has ever doped itself? Can we just agree with that? It's the trainer. That's who dopes the horse. The trainer is unwittingly ruining the legacy of what could be a great horse. Unless, of course, you need the steroids to be a great horse. And without the steroids or the anti-inflammatories or whatever it is, you're not going to be a good horse. So what happens when you fail a test? There's an inquiry and then a ruling. And the ruling could mean that Medina Spirit gets disqualified. And do you know what happens when Medina Spirit gets disqualified? It's pretty cool. Not. It's, it's a nightmare, actually, what happens. The second place horse wins. And the second place horse, in this case, was named Mandaloon. So Mandaloon becomes the derby winner. So for all of you people who bet on Medina Spirit and won because you saw him get the anti-inflammatories and you saw him get shot with a special thing below his whip, a little needle that gets put in right at the end of the race to make him go faster. That was in the movie, folks. Everyone calm down. That's not libel or slander. If you bet on him and you collected your money and he gets disqualified, guess what you have to do? Nothing. You keep your money. If you bet on Mandaloon to win and you didn't win because he didn't win. And then Mandaloon goes down in history as the winner of the Kentucky Derby because the first place horse gets disqualified. Guess what happens? Hurry up and find your ticket, tape it back together and then frame it or use it as toilet paper because you don't win. You don't get to collect on your ticket. What's been paid out is paid out. If you won, you won. If you lost, you lost. Can you imagine how bad a sport that is? Where gambling, talk about competitive integrity. You fail a post-race test, it doesn't matter. If you want to win in horse race, horse race betting, I know exactly what you have to do. Ready? Find out the horse that's doing all the drugs. Bob Baffert is clearly a cheater. Not a question. He's had 30 horses fail tests in 40 years. That's almost a horse a year. That's not good. That's just how he got caught. His legacy is completely destroyed. He will be known as a, a cheating trainer now. It is not good business to own horses. Very few people can make their money back. Very few people. Everyone thinks they can. There's a lot of money to be made when your horse does win. Wins a triple crown, then you're in great shape. Do you know I, was, uh, I did a panel once with the owner of... Uh, did American Pharaoh win the triple crown, Coca? I'm probably making that up. There's no way I remember that. But I think there was a horse called American Pharaoh. And I think that horse is owned by someone uh, who is a graduate of Yeshiva University. And I did a panel with the Wilf people who are uh, um, owners of the Vikings, also Yeshiva University graduates. And by the way, Coca, that's funny. You're just telling me that. Um, Bob Baffert trained American Pharaoh. That's funny. And American Pharaoh wins the Triple Crown. So I'm doing this panel and, I, and, I'm, and I'm meeting the owner 
and he starts telling me how much American Pharaoh gets paid to have sex with other horses and how much money American Pharaoh makes, zero. How much money the owner of American Pharaoh makes for having this horse have sex 10 times a day for 300 days a year for 10 years. It's amazing. Anyway, I don't even know why I got that. Thank you, Coke. His name is Ahmed Zayat. And he did go. Of course, I know he went to Yeshiva Coca. That's what happens here. Nothing personal when I talk about something that I didn't tell him I was going to talk about during the pregame because it comes to me during the show. And then he tries to catch up and figure out what the hell I'm talking about and trying to make sure I'm not wrong, which I am eight out of 10 times, two out of 10 times, almost never. Sometimes. Wait to see. I'm going to give you another wait to see. Double wait to see. Jacob DeGrom will miss his next start. Book it. Here's a wait to see. Medina Spirit's going to get disqualified. Bob Baffert's not going to win this appeal. Mandaloon is your Kentucky Derby winner. Take those win tickets and shove them up your keista. Because that's about what they're worth. Well, speaking of gambling, how do we do? Nothing personal pick of the day. I think we did well. We gave you three picks this weekend. My favorite pick was yesterday's game. The Twins over the Tigers rained out. Terrible. Do you remember what happened Friday night? We did a back-to-back basketball pick. I think we won a Thursday night basketball game. The Friday night basketball game was the Suns minus six over the Knicks. After an article that the Knicks are the greatest covering team in the history of basketball or on the podium, the Suns crushed them. We're a winner. And then we talked about the Giants-Padres Saturday night. And I said, Kevin Gausman may be an all-star pitcher this year. And Joe Musgrove, man of the no-hitter. Padres, this great, great team. Giants playing above their heads. They're going to come down to earth really soon. Not Saturday night. Giants beat the Padres. We got ourselves two wins. We are 60 and 40, Coca. That's not terrible, a 60% winning percentage. But I'm going to do two picks today. Somebody contacted me, Coke, on Twitter and was annoyed and said, why don't you do more underdogs in baseball? Because then we don't have to risk as much in case the pick loses. Okay. How do you like Kyle Gibson over Alex Wood? Do you like that? Are you good with that? Kyle Gibson has been pitching great for the Rangers. Alex Wood has been pitching great for the Giants. The Rangers are plus 128. Giants are minus 40. Two great pitchers at the moment. I'm going to take the value, though. I'm going to take Kyle Gibson, the former twin pitcher who's now with the Rangers, getting 128, even though the game is by the bay. When the lights go down in the city. Do you know that Journey song? That's about San Francisco. That's our pick. Rangers over Giants. But I got to do a bonus pick because we're hot in the NBA and there's a game that makes no sense. No sense at all. Why are the Golden State Warriors getting points at home against the Utah Jazz when Steph Curry is going for the scoring title and scores 50 to 90 points every single game. And the Jazz have one of the best defenses, but you can't defend Steph Curry. There is no reason for the Warriors to be plus three at home. I'm taking the Warriors plus three over the Jazz. Two picks. A lot going on in basketball, though. And we're going to get to it right now. When I was a uh, kid... Uh, like until I was 26, 29, 31 years old, I was obsessed with the Knicks. And my big thing when the Knicks were losing to the Bulls every day, every year, is that Michael Jordan got every call. When Michael Jordan would drive to the lane, Oakley would get called for a foul or Mason. 
or Lentruck Robinson or anybody who is on the Knicks. I don't know why Lentruck Robinson was just in my mind. I don't even know if he played at the same time as Jordan. God, whatever happened to Lenny Truck? Leonard Truck Robinson, number 21 for the Knicks. He was good. It makes me crazy. Jordan gets every call. LeBron James, I was lucky enough to watch him. LeBron James whines more than any other player. Now Luka's the number one whiner. But LeBron can whine. But boy, does he get calls. So what's going on in New Orleans under new coach Stan Van Gundy, where I thought that I have a way to see that the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs and they're struggling just to get into the play-in tournament, so that way to see is in jeopardy. But Zion Williamson has had a terrific season. 27 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, I think, are his stats. He's just been great. But the management of the Pelicans has been complaining to the NBA and very upset and angry that Zion is not getting calls. David Griffin, who is their head of basketball operations, seems to forget that Zion Williamson is a second-year player. He's a baby. He's not a veteran. Veterans get calls. Zion Williamson has not earned the right to get calls. So David Griffin complained publicly. Why? Zion Williamson got hurt. He fractured his left finger, his left ring finger. Hard to play basketball with a fractured left ring finger. He's out indefinitely. And the Pelicans lost their mind. They blamed the NBA. David Griffin said, we told the NBA through every means available to us. We sent in film. We spoke to everyone in the officials department, everyone in the basketball operations department, that the way they were officiating Zion was going to get him injured. That's what David Griffin said. And here comes the money statement. Quite frankly, he's injured because of the open season that there's been on Zion Williamson in the paint. To which the NBA responded, you know that Zion shoots the fourth most free throws per game in the NBA, right? You know that we give him over eight, almost nine attempts per game, right? You know that we want Zion in the playoffs. We came up with the whole play-in concept so Zion could be in the playoffs in the bubble. Does any of this ring a bell, Dave? Because you better watch your step if you're going to start criticizing NBA officiating and say that we have something against you and your player. But he kept going. He said there is more violence encouraged in the paint against Zion than for any player I've seen since Shaquille. He gets mauled. Hmm. Guess what happened to David Griffin? If you had a guess, what would you say? He got fined 50 grand. And here's what the NBA said. Now, 50 grand, Cubans get gets fined 200 grand, 250 grand for the Mavericks when he says something against the officials. David Griffin, if you were fined 250 grand, even though he's making plenty of money, that still, that stinks. 50 grand to David Griffin is greater than 250 to Mark Cuban. So let's do that math, no problem. But then what they said is, he was fined for, quote, public criticism of the officiating and comments detrimental to the NBA. That's insane. 
comments detrimental to the NBA because the NBA does not want anybody to believe that there is any level of favoritism as it relates to officiating and its players. Did you know that there's 48 minutes in a basketball game? Four quarters? Did you know that the team with the most points at the end of 48 minutes wins the game? And if it's tied, you play another five minutes until at the end of 53 minutes, one team has more points. Did you know that? Well, if you knew that, then you also knew that certain players are treated differently by officials. You also knew that the NBA is not going under any circumstance to allow you to say publicly what everyone already knows. And that's what makes me crazy. Baseball did this too. You can't do anything that makes it seem as though, and we're bringing this full circle, Coca, you can't do anything that makes it seem like things aren't perfect. Remember how we talk about that in the beginning of the show? Where you want to give the appearance that everything's okay? The NBA has to give you the appearance that they treat all players fairly, even though everyone knows they don't. The NBA has to give you the appearance that they don't want certain teams to win, even though they do. The NBA has to get the back of the officials because you cannot have any sort of Tim Donahue situation, who's the official who gambled on games. You have to have officials who don't have bad personal relationships with players and have that impact calls that they make. Do you remember the case of the official Coca who was not allowed to call games that had a certain player in it? I can't remember the official. I can't remember the player. But there was such a personal beef that there was a situation where a certain official could not be the referee in a game where that player was playing. Don't even bother finding a Coca. We don't have time, but I promise you it exists. The way this ends... Zion becomes the player who gets the calls even more than he gets now. Zion becomes one of the faces of basketball as the next wave. He's just a kid. But the Pelicans have to wait their turn. It's not yet. It's not yet, David. And you know this very well. That's not me, David. That's David Griffin. You know very well why the Pelicans are not at the top of the pecking order right now. Don't you say it with me? It's just business. This is nothing personal. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.